<laughs> All right, hello everyone. Welcome to School, the podcast about education in America. I'm Catherine, and I'm Allie, and we are friends. Something like that. Um, we're also <laughs> both teachers. Uh, we met last year teaching at a really small school in Providence, Rhode Island. Yes, a small public high school. Um, I still teach there. And I actually now teach at a small private school, but still in Providence, Rhode Island. <clears throat> yes. Um, so Allie and I decided to start this podcast as a little project because we just found that our conversations as we hang out, um, they always seem to circle back to our classrooms one way or another. We have very many thoughts, feelings, and questions about education. Yep, so we decided to devote some of our very small, minuscule, minuscule, <laughs> or sometimes non-existent uh, free time to digging deeper into some of these questions. Thank you for listening. Yeah, we're glad you're here. Oh, and I have to tell the story of the picture. So last year, during my first year of teaching, I had a student who I had never met come into my classroom. <laughs> oh my god, wait, I love this His story. name, well, I won't say his name, I'm confidentiality you know <laughs> although i feel like he would love really? to be featured on the podcast <laughs> um anyway this student came into my room we were just talking for a while he was a really curious student at the end of our conversation asked me do you know the teacher here who works here named ali and i was like yes ali and i are friends like of course i know her um and he's like you should you should really talk to her about teaching you know i saw a picture of her on her wall from her first year of teaching and <laughs> She looked just like you. She looked like she needed help, too. So I think she could give you some advice. Okay, so I remember last year, um, I had this student who was disgruntled about whatever I had asked him to do. You know, write a paragraph or Classic, something. Classic, yes. Um, and he was like, ugh, who even invented school? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that... We could ask that same question for our first episode of our podcast. I love that. Um, so, yeah. Catherine, I hear that you've done a little bit of research about the first school in America. I have been researching. So, what do you think the actual purpose of school is? I remember doing an activity that broke the purpose of school down into ooh, Three, three categories. Ooh, um, okay. okay, and so one of them was that the purpose of school, and these are sort of three philosophies that people have about why we go to school. Okay. One of them was um, the purpose of school is to produce functioning and productive members of society. Mm. So school should teach you um, to basically like work within a system so that you can support society. Mm, interesting. Another uh, idea of school was that school is the passing uh, down of knowledge. So people bef who come before us have wisdom and knowledge, and it is the purpose of school and teachers in school to impart that knowledge to their pupils. Mm. And then the third, and of course, like, everybody's like, this is the right one. This is the right one. <laughs> the third purpose of school was that school should uh, produce critical thinkers who can critique the society we live mm, in and um, thoughtfully construct a better society. Okay. So, I mean, maybe this is just because I want to seem like a good person and everything, but I think I definitely 
align with the last one. Like I, I want school ideally to be a place where my students are learning to think for themselves. However, I feel like a lot of the, in the day to day, I fall much more into the first two camps where I'm like, this is how you cite a quote. Like this is knowledge mm. that I just you need to understand. Like, yep. and I sort of forget the larger picture of like why I'm teaching them that. Mm-hmm. And I also will be like, you need to learn how to like write an email. Like, in other words, be a functioning member of society. So in the day to day, I definitely end up in the in the first two. But if I like really step back and think about it, I think I I think I believe at its core that school should be producing questioning critical members of our society interesting so there's this tension between like we want to impart the world as it was to us onto our students mm-hmm. but then also teach them to like criticize that world right all right um so i did i tried to do some like deep dives into like the first school in like the world and like very quickly realized that like obviously no one knows like yeah but it depends on your definition of school like right. ever since there's been humans like we have had to you know teach the next generation in like as far back as ancient mesopotamia um you know people had to learn how to write like cuneiform like the first language right yeah yeah um so they had to there had to be mentors and Mm -hmm. students that were like i don't know if they had words i think they had like little words for it i don't know but um even as like as far back as like 3000 bc like people were being trained to be scribes um because they had to learn literacy right um because there was language um so and those earliest records of people learning um it was boys and it was royals and the rich and the people with power in society were the ones who were learning literacy like as far classic. back <clears throat> yeah classic like not surprising right mm-hmm. at all um i think like in ancient greece like there started to be these more formal schools where there was a teacher resembling our like current education um and then in rome was when like girls first or on the record of historians Mm. like able to go to school Mm um and then in the middle ages it's it seems like from my research that things kind of shifted and schools started to be run not just like by people here and there Mm -hmm. in their homes but by churches Mm -hmm. and religious institutions and like islamic monasteries and um christian churches um and they taught religion alongside of like literacy and the natural sciences what i have a snow day tomorrow oh my god probably not have school tomorrow so far it suggests that i do yikes that's really annoying yikes yeah it's gonna be like negative tomorrow like but i'm also like you live in new england maybe i'll get mine later yeah okay okay so yeah blah blah blah. i um really dove into 
trying to figure out like how U.S. public schools started. So the first school in the U.S. was pretty close to us, less than an hour away. No way. Mm-hmm. By car, which they probably didn't have when that school started. <laughs> oh, no one was coming to Providence, Rhode Island <laughs> when we started. Um, Boston Latin School. Boston Latin School was the first public school in America. Okay, yes. Yeah, so this was like the first of the first. Okay. They pride themselves on opening before, even before Harvard opened, which was the first Ooh. public, no, I think the first university in America. Mm-hmm. So they opened, Boston Latin School opened a year before Harvard. It's kind of ironic that they opened a year before Harvard because they pride, prided themselves in the beginning of being a college prep school. Uh, but there was no college to prep there was for. No college, so like I don't, I don't know. Maybe they were planning on opening Harvard. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anyway, it was established in 1635 on uh, School Street in Boston. Have you ever been there, near Faneuil Hall? I feel like I have, it's like but right near where the Freedom Trail starts. Okay, so like downtown Boston. Right downtown yeah, Boston. Yeah. Okay. Old timey Boston. Yeah. Okay. Right, right up the street from the Tea Party. Okay. Um, wow. Wow. And right away, uh, in the town records of Boston, uh, this is a quote that is in the town records of Boston. All so, right, hit me with the quote. And I can't do a British accent, so <laughs> I okay. will not even try. Um, on the 13th of the second month, 1635, at a general meeting upon public, public with a Q, Ooh. notice, it was generally agreed upon that our brother... Philemon Clermont shall be entreated to become schoolmaster for the teaching and nurturing of children with us. Ah. Nurturing mm. also. That's cool. Mm, interesting. So this guy, Philemon Clermont, he actually started the school out of his home. Um, okay. And pretty much right away, the town of Boston, uh, then called a town, now clearly a city, but... Um, they assigned public funds to the school, eventually hmm. voting to allow forever 50 pounds to the master <laughs> and a house and 30 pounds to an usher, a.k.a. a para or assistant teacher. Uh-huh. Um, he so, got a house? Yeah, and 50 pounds, so he was paid. Is that a lot? I think a good salary for that Okay, time. I mean, they could give me a house. I wouldn't... I mean, <laughs> they could give us a lot more. Um... Yeah, and so he just started teaching out of his house. Um, okay. and what did they do at school? Yeah, so pretty much right away they were studying Latin and Greek and okay. quote-unquote the elementary subjects. Um, Latin and Greek were the elementary subjects? Well, it says it's Latin and Greek plus the elementary subjects, oh, oh. which is centered, I think, around the humanities. Okay, okay. Is what it seems like. Okay. Um, so it's uh, it's... Noted in the history that the founders shared uh, this belief that the ancient Greeks really, like, did school correctly. Uh. Um, and they say that the only good things are the goods of the... Is this a quote the, again? Yes. I'm okay, do, quote. You, do your quote, please. Um, <laughs> quote, the only good things are the goods of the soul. Ooh. It really does seem like sort of moral character was at the heart of... What they felt that, I mean, you asked at the beginning, like, what do I think school's for? It seems like nurturing good moral citizens was at the heart of their pedagogy. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, so from its beginning, uh, Boston Latin School, get this. So before you were saying the three pillars of education, what people believe. Uh-huh. Um, Boston Latin School, like even from the beginning, taught, uh, taught its scholars dissent with responsibility and persistently encouraged dissent. Which, oh, dissent, like, like, fight, like, dissent. Like, d- dissenting, like, I dissent. Like, disagreeing oh. with what it was. And think about it, this is in, like, uh, 1635, so this is, like, well before the American Revolution, but this school has persisted still open today. So yeah. this school existed, and it went through many different headmasters um, over the next hundred plus years. Yeah. All white men, of course, but. Well, yeah. You know. Not as expected. Interesting. So the core of their like mission was to teach their students to critique society. Apparently, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So eventually, this assistant teacher he takes over, um, and then yeah, over the next few decades, a bunch of different white men take over as headmaster. Um, and so in 1734, this guy John Lovell took over and. He decided that admission in this term was going to be determined by reading verses from the Bible. That's how students like how well they read them. Right. Okay. So you can see that uh, this school was very tied to religion. Even in its dissent, it was still accepted that you know. Yeah. Certain certain kinds of dissent are acceptable, but not absolutely. Yeah. Not always the case. Yeah. Um. So here's a. A example day at school in the Boston Latin School in the early years. Okay. Um, students were studying Latin, Greek, the elementary subjects. The morning sessions would start at seven o'clock in the summer Ooh. and eight o'clock in the winter. Okay. How nice a is that? A little better. A little daylight savings time. In yeah. There. Um, and ended at eleven a.m. A.m. Oh, interesting. Cool. Then okay, so they got a two-hour lunch break. Oh, okay. Um, they resumed at one o'clock in the afternoon oh. and then ran until five. So. Oh, I got excited when you said it ended at eleven. Oh yeah, yeah that wasn't no. the end of the day. Oh, okay, okay. No, no. Um, and then at either the eleven o'clock hour or the five o'clock hour, the pupils would go to a writing school nearby. Huh. So that's like a lot of hours. Like a writing, um, like, like like writing by hand. Writing. Oh. Like literally. I'm talking myself like writing, like. Oh no, 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 Interesting. No, no, no. So that was like a separate school. Was yeah. the writing school? Yeah. So they okay. were like on. It's a busy their, day. Yeah, yeah. They were like okay. full force. Yeah. When my students were like, I didn't have time to do my homework, I'm going to say, well, mm-hmm. your schedule is more free than that of the Boston, <laughs> Boston Latin, Latin students. Yes. So who, are there any famous people who went to the school? <laughs> yes. Okay. So <laughs> pupils include, get this, five signers of the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Oh, Today, wow. John Hancock. Oh, the Samuel big signature Adam. guy. Yeah, like the big The one. beer guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Robert Treat Payne, never heard of him. William Hooper. And Ben Franklin, the Ben Franklin. The, dro- yeah. The Ben Franklin. Dropped out of oh. Boston Latin School. Oh. Never graduated high school. Wow. Mm. Seems like a story that like our heroes share. They mm. don't they don't do formal education. I know. I know. Alright. That's always a hard one to rebuttal during class. <laughs> So this guy, John Lavelle, yeah. he's headmaster. Yeah. Um, he appoints his son James. Conflict of interest? Yes. James Wait. is okay. appointed assistant teacher. Oh. So okay. they're both getting paid by the time. Nepotism. Right. A little bit, yeah. Um they turns out are like 
opposite ends of the political spectrum at the time. No way. So, okay. James, the son, classic, like, young buck. He's an ardent patriot. He's like, oh. Yeah, I can revolt. You know? Okay, okay. Let's do this thing. Um, his father is strong loyalist to Britain. No way. Okay. Sounds uh, a lot I mean, like that makes my sense. family. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Like, the um, uh, older people tend to be more conservative. And, right. Yeah, okay. And things, they want things to stay the same. Yeah. And the younger generation, this kid was probably raised in America, and he was like, wants change. Yeah, and like, yeah. nothing's really different, you know? Yeah. You know, we can probably all relate to this, so. Just interesting. So, anyway, then the Battle of Lexington happens. LaBelle calls off school, and, yeah, he takes his son with him when they... When evacuation day happens and all the Brits leave. He takes um, his son, who was a patriot. He takes his son. He forces his son to leave. His son didn't country. have enough power to just stand up to his dad Apparently and, and not. say, I want to stay in America? Apparently not. So, oh, wow. Okay. So just picture being a kid at this time. You're like, oh my God, like my headmaster's gone. He's, my teacher's gone. There's no one left to run the school. So school resumes under this guy, Samuel Hunt. Okay. Um, who I picture like... Mm, I don't know much about Samuel Hunt, but I just picture it like they say that he quote unquote ruled with some difficulty. <laughs> oh, like he he was not the best ruler. Well, also I I don't even know if it was his fault, but like he was handed this school like during the freaking American Revolution. Yeah. So like you can imagine that there was like a lot of instability in yeah, the country. Yeah, that's hard. I picture it similar to like a principal trying to like open their school back up during COVID. covid yeah that's like, what i was thinking shoot nobody can do this it's an impossible job and like no matter who it is it's gonna look bad you know right um so i don't know it's a little bit of like love at samuel hunt i don't know he might not deserve it but i like to give him the benefit <laughs> um all right anyway it seems like it, he really had a, a tough career and then um, the next guy, this guy's name is Benjamin Apthorpe Gould. He took wow. over in 1814 while he was a senior at Harvard. Oh, so, balance. Talk about student teaching, but you're the headmaster. Okay. Um, and he restored order and scholarship, okay? Mm. So he was really the guy that, like, formed the Boston Latin School, like, on the ground that it still stands on today. Mm-hmm. Um, so he introduced this thing called the misdemeanor mark. Mm-hmm. He also began the library at the school, um, and he was the first one to issue these reports of scholarship, so a.k.a. report cards to parents. Oh, he, like, invented the report card. As far as I can tell, he, like, he was the one who started saying, we need to, like, send home these reports of like how kids are doing Uh oh i hear some students uh cursing his name (laughs) yeah um the school was modeled after britain but then the founding fathers when they were like writing the declaration of independence they also uh school played this like really pivotal role and the goal of school was to create this is a quote, Mm -hmm. competent and educated citizens who understand political and social issues to participate in civic life, vote wisely, and protect their rights and freedoms. Resist tyrants and demagogues. So that seems to go back to the idea of school is about dissent. Dissent. 
it also seems really aligned with like you said they they really revered the greeks and their education mm-hmm. system and it mm-hmm. seems really aligned with what we hear about classical athens and um that every student needed to learn rhetoric so that they could um participate in political discourse mm-hmm. it seems to be really at the heart of what the founding totally. fathers thought school should be about in america totally, totally. So do you think, Catherine, that um, that's what you're doing at school? Teaching students <laughs> to, quote, protect their rights and resist tyrants? So uh, this is an interesting question. I think if you had asked me this two years ago while I was going to grad school to become a teacher, um, I would have been like, yeah, I am going to teach my kids to be little radicals and you know, let's disassemble the school system and teach my kids to question everything. Um, Since I've become a teacher, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. One of the things that I have watched within myself since I entered the classroom is that I've become more traditional and less radical because before I became a teacher I think I really believed that I was going to be capable of fostering this really radical belief in my students and like making empowering them to question and critique the world that we live in but I find that the day-to-day and the reality of what I need to do is so much more about offering my students um, the tools they need to just function in our society Mm. and not get ripped off, you know? Like, how do you read and write and communicate in a way that protects you and allows you to get a job yeah i find this constant pull in both directions i'm like i fundamentally uh disagree with the way that the school system is set up but also i'm a product of this system and i feel Just knowing it so well, I I feel like I am obliged to give my students the skills they need to succeed in this system, even Mm. though I, like, hate it, you know? Like, it's, like, one of those things. Well, it's also one of those things that in order to question the language of power, you have to speak the language of power. Mm, I've never heard that. Right? And so... I think that a lot of times we don't get to that step two, questioning the language of power. We get to just teach them mm-hmm. to speak it. All right. Uh, well, first school in America, Boston, New mm-hmm. England. Not too far uh, away. Not too far away. Next time you're in Boston, check it out. I will. It's moved since then. It's now in like the Fenway area. Oh, okay. Um, Go Sox. Go Sox. Yeah. Well, that's all we have for you today. And school's out. School's out. Yay! This podcast was created by Catherine Sullivan and myself, Allie Donahue.
Our cover art is by my eighth grade student, Annie Liu.